Welcome everyone to Daf Yomi one week at a time, Masachet Baba Kama. This is our 17th and final uh, class for uh, the Masachet Baba Kama, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, we are going to be learning Daf 112 till 119. Uh, which is tomorrow's daf. Tomorrow's the official end of Baba Kama. Uh, I really hope everyone is having a party or some sort of uh, uh, festivity to celebrate uh, the learning of 118 pages of Gemara. Um, so it is no small feat. Um, I put in the chat box the link for the next course. Uh, next week, we will be starting Masachet um, Baba Metzia. Um, so next week, Be'ezrat Hashem will have an introduction and we'll do the first few um, pages of that Masachet. Okay, let's go to Daf um, 112. Uh, we finished the... the Sorry, we started the first Mishnah in the last chapter last week, uh, where we talked about um, a person stealing something and then using that money to feed his children or to leave it for them as an inheritance. So um, today on Daf 112, uh, the Gemara tells us that if a father left the mon money of interest um, to his children. Now, as you know, uh, in Judaism, you are not allowed to charge interest. Um, so uh, if he did charge interest and he left that money to his children, um, the Gemara tells us that the children can keep it. Um, they do not need to return it because the only person who needs to return it is the person who charged the interest in the first place, um, but not the children. Um, if the father left the theft as, uh, now we're talking about if he stole something, um, if he left the theft as an inheritance, if the children are adults, so then they have to return it. If they're minors, then they're exempt from returning it. Um, if the adults know that their father repaid the person, meaning maybe compensated him in a certain way, then again, they are exempt. Um, if they didn't eat from the money that he gave them. Um, so then um, everybody does need to return the item or the money that was that was stolen. Um, if the father died and left them a cow that he borrowed, not that he stole, but he borrowed, they can use it for the full time that he borrowed it for, right? So if he borrows it for a month, and then he dies after a week, they can keep it for the next three weeks and use the use it, um, you know, for what they need it for. If the cow now accidentally dies, so um, they don't have to pay for it because if they didn't borrow it in the first place, as long as they didn't do anything with, that was negligent. Um, if they ate the cow by accident, so then they have to pay back um, the price of the meat, but they only have to pay for um, basically like the lowest value of meat in the marketplace. Um, if he left them land, so he has to pay for the animals um, from, from right, again, if they ate the cow and they only have land, so they pay for the cow from the land that he left them. 
Um, if a person borrowed an animal and then he um, he slaughters it on Shabbat, right? Not allowed. Uh, not allowed on a lot on a few different levels. Um, so he's exempt to pay for the animal um, because he's liable for his life, right? Because he slaughtered it on Shabbat, he's liable for transgressing Shabbat. And we know that if you're liable for capital punishment, you do not pay the monetary um, punishment as well, right? Because he stole any transgressed Shabbat at the same time. Um, therefore, he does not have to pay the penalty. Uh, the Gemara tells us a story of a miner who inherited a house and then the original owner wanted it back. Um, the law is that the miner has to return it. Um, but if there is a chazaka, again, chazaka means um, that for three years um, it's been known that this house belongs to the father, then the miner can keep it and the litigant needs to bring witnesses um, when the child grows up, when he becomes an adult, he would bring witnesses and then he can, um, you know, bring him to court and try to get the house back. Um, if the court invites the def a defendant to hear um, testimony, and he doesn't show up. The um, the witnesses, or let's say the witnesses are, um, sorry, the the person is invited to come to court um, to hear testimony, and the witnesses seem to be ill or they're going to be traveling and leaving town. Then they can testify to the court without the defendant. But in general. A person needs to be there, right? The defendant needs to be there when they testify. Um, since we're talking about coming to court, um, the Gemara says that you have to um, certify a loan document in front of the litigant, or again, maybe you do not have to. It's a machloket. Um, let's say the borrower says, right? Let's say you come and you say, I have a document that you owe me $100. Um, if the borrower says, no, that document is fake, it's a forgery, we do not listen to him unless he has proof. Um, we do give him time to prove it. And if he doesn't bring proof in the allotted time, uh, we give him 90 days to pay back the loan. And then after 90 days, we seize land in order to pay for the loan. Um, if he let's say he never shows up in court. So then we seize the land right away. He doesn't get bonus time if he doesn't come um, to court. Um, and only land, um, sorry, and only land. Uh, again, you can seize land from him. You cannot seize movable objects, metaltoline. And only if he lives close by, um, but if he if he lives far away, um, so then not. Or maybe we don't. We give him more than ninety days. Maybe we even give him a year to pay for um, for that loan. Um, we believe the court messenger to say that uh, he told the defendant that he would needed to come to court. And the defendant didn't didn't comply. The court messenger is seen as uh, as if he's two witnesses, meaning he's believed um, as if he's two witnesses. Um, we rely on a woman or um, the neighbor to summon the person to court. 
Um, and then if he doesn't show up, we assume that he's disobeying the court order. Um, this is only if he's out of town, but if he's in town, we do not assume that he's disobeying an order. Maybe he had something else um, to do. Uh, DAF 113 tells us that if someone was ostracized because he didn't come to court, um, you only rip up that, that document when he comes. Um, and we said that you need to set a time for the person to come to court. Uh, we say Monday, Thursday, or Monday. If he doesn't come three times, then we write a document to ostracize him. Again, uh, this, this idea of ostracizing a person uh, was very powerful in the community um, and generally motivated people to do what they needed to do. Um, the Gemara, however, tells us that there are certain times in the year where we know that people are busy, um, and therefore, if it's those times of the year, uh, if he doesn't come, we do not ostracize him um, because um, maybe he is busy, right? So we all know um, in Nisan before Pesach um, or in Tishrei when it's the Chagim, people are very busy, um, and therefore, um, and therefore, if he doesn't come. So then um, we do not ostracize him. Um, of course, if it's before any other Chagim as well, we do not ostracize him. Okay, next Mishnah. Um, we, you don't take change from um, the box of the tax collector because we suspect the tax collector um, of stealing. We're going to discuss what that means. And you don't take charity from him either because, again, we don't trust where the money came from. But you can take from that person personally, like from his wallet, it's okay. Um, but from the tax I don't know, uh, box, um, you cannot take it. So now the Gemara explains um, that um, if, you, let's say, you're paying your taxes and you owe $50 in tax, you give him $100, you are allowed to get $50 back as change. That's okay. Um, but, um, but um, oh, so now the Gemara talks about this this idea of taxes. Um, so there's a very important concept in the Gemara. In Aramaic, the, the, the principle is called Dina de Malchuta Dina, uh, which basically means the Din, right? The law of the Malchut of the, um, the uh, government is the law. What does that mean? That if you live in a country where there are laws like paying taxes, you need to pay taxes, right? There's no such thing as saying, oh, we're Jewish, we don't have to pay the taxes. That's not how it works, um, right? Meaning one must follow the laws of the country that one lives in. Uh, it is extremely clear from the Gemara uh, that that is the case. However, um, there is something here that we're talking about. Uh, if we're talking, how are we talking about a tax collector who's stealing? So the Gemara explains that um, our Mishnah is talking about taxes that didn't have a set amount where the tax collector basically could decide how much he was going to collect from each person. So if he didn't like you, he collected $100. And if he liked you, he collected $50. Uh, it's a little bit sounds like the mafia, right? They're getting payoffs and bribes. Um, so all of this is seen as stealing, 
right? Even though they're seen as government uh, as government uh, officials, um, it is seen as stealing. It reminds me of uh, you know like Robin Hood and uh, right the what's he called of of Nottingham, not the sheriff, right? He he takes the money from everybody and he's basically keeping it. So just because someone says it's taxes uh, does not mean that it is legal. Um, so here the Gemara says that if you if it's illegal, it's seen as stealing um, and therefore you're not allowed to take from that money or um, you know, if they give you charity, you're not allowed to take it because uh, it's seen as you benefiting from something that was stolen. So I guess Robin Hood would be a problem over there as well. Um, okay. Or maybe this person decided to collect money on his own. Again, maybe he's not from the government, so he's from the mafia. So that obviously is seen as um, bribery, as stealing, and not okay. Um, and um, the Gemara talks about these, right? Are we talking about non-Jewish tax collectors? Um, are we talking about Jewish tax collectors? Um, so there was uh, the Gemara continues and talks about that um, if there's a court case of a Jew against a non-Jew, so there's a machloket if you're allowed to do anything to win the case. And here, anything seems to imply maybe something not so uh, letter of the law, uh, but maybe something a little bit more underhanded. Are you allowed to do that if you have a court case against a non-Jew? Um, so one opinion is you're not allowed to because it would be a chilul Hashem, right? You are desecrating the name of God. Uh, it does not look nice if you're cheating. Um, but, uh, right, and the Gemara says also, right, you're not allowed to steal from non-Jews. Uh, it's not like you, the, the, the law is only from Jews. You're also not allowed to steal from non-Jews. Um, but maybe here it's different um, because the person maybe is an idolater as opposed to a regular non-Jew. Um, and um, again, the Gemara says you are not allowed to steal from a non-Jew. Um, but let's say you find a lost object that belonged to a non-Jew. So technically you could keep it. Um, another opinion is no, you have to return it. Um, but um, you can benefit from a business error of a non-Jew. Um, of course, we always know stories of people who go above and beyond uh, and return money, um, even when they don't have to. And I think that that's really uh, the right thing to do. Okay, um, the Gemara continues and gives some stories of business deals where non-Jews made a mistake and then the Jews benefited. Um, but again, you are not allowed to steal from non-Jews. Um, okay, the Gemara then um, talks about different laws um, that the king or the government is allowed to make, um, and the Jews must follow that um, must follow that law. Um, there seemed to have been a land tax and a head tax. Um, you can take from one person for another, and then he goes and gets his money back. Um, and if a person knows um, and then goes and testifies for a kuti, right? Again, the kutim were a nation that lived in Israel um, against, and let's say you testify for a kuti against a Jew by himself, that person is ostracized. Um, that is not a correct thing to do. Um, but if there are two witnesses, or another person, so then you can go and testify. Um, okay, DAF 114, 
Um, there, there are other cases of excommunication. Um, if a Jew sells land to an idolater whose land is bordered by a non-Jew, um, again, we're scared that that non that idolater is going to cause problems with his Jewish neighbor, uh, and therefore you're not you should not have sold it to the idolater. Okay, next Mishnah on 114. Um, if the customs collector or bandits come and take something and then they replace it with something else, you're allowed to keep that other object because we assume that the original owner despaired. Again, if you remember, we learned the word yeush. Uh, yeush means despair. Um, if the person, the owner had yeush, um, then you, the new owner, can keep that item. Let's say you find an item in a river or um, you get it from troops or from bandits. If you know that the original owner um, despaired, you can keep it. Um, so too, if you find bees, the Gemara is going to talk about that. Um, also, a woman or a minor are believed to say who the owner of the bees is. Um, and a person is allowed to go into someone's field to save someone else's bees, and he needs to pay for compensation of the damage that he causes. Uh, but he's not allowed to cut down any branches, or maybe he can cut down the branches. Um, okay, so now the Gemara explains. Um, our Mishnah said that you're allowed to keep the item from the bandit. Um, the Gemara says, no, 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 you're not allowed to keep the item. Um, because yeush, right, despair, isn't enough because this item was taken illegally. So it's not enough to say that uh, the owner despaired. Or maybe um, you can return it if you want, uh, but you do not have to. Um, if the bandits are Jewish, so then um, there would probably not be Yeush, um, because the owner figures, oh, I'm just going to take that person to court, um, so I'm not giving up on my item. Or maybe the opposite. There's no Yeush with the non-Jews, because you can take the non-Jew to court, but with the Jews, they're just going to talk and talk, and it's never going to be resolved, um, so maybe uh, you will have Yeush. Okay, um, so now we say that because there was Yeush, and now the thief's thoughts can make um, can make his item that he has susceptible to impurity. Um, so here we're talking about when does the thief actually acquire the item? Um, so as long as there's Yeush, um, so then he acquires the item. Um, okay. Um, next, uh, the Gemara concludes that if a person despairs with a robber or a thief, um, so then um, the item does become his. Why did we discuss bees? Um, bees are really only owned um, rabbinically, dirabanan, rabbinically, because we know that bees can fly away, so you really can't ever own them. Uh, and therefore, you only own them rabbinically. Still, um, if the owner didn't have yeush, so then the finder cannot keep him 
keep them, he has to return them, right? Again, because it's rabbinic, we accept the word of a woman or a minor who saw, who say that they belong to a certain person, um, and therefore um, they they are believed. Um, Okay, also it's a stipulation of the court that a person can cause damage to save someone else's things, and then he's going to get compensated. And we'll see more about that a little bit later. Okay, the next Mishnah. If a person, let's say Ruving, recognizes his things in Shimon's house, right? He goes over to Shimon's house and he's like, wait a minute, that's my coffee table. How do you have my coffee table? And um, people know that Ruvain was robbed, right? Last week, Ruvain says, oh my God, I can't believe it. My coffee table was stolen. So then Ruvain can go and take his things. Um, he does. Ah, so now one second. Um, here, the assumption is Ruvain is not the thief, right? Ruvain says, I don't know what you're talking about. I went to Levi. He said he has a very nice coffee table and I bought it from him. So now when Reuven takes the coffee table from Shimon, um, so now Reuven needs to pay the amount that Shimon paid for the coffee table, right? Meaning he has to reimburse him for the money that he um, that he spent. Um, we're going to talk more about it in the Gemara. Um, but if there's no report of a robbery, so we do not... Um, believe Ruvain. Um, maybe he sold it to Levi last week and now he regrets that he sold it and now he says, oh, no, no, it must be that somebody stole it. We don't believe him if there's no uh, rumor of um, robbery. Okay, so now the Gemara says, well, maybe this guy spread a rumor about the robbery because he regrets the sale. Uh, so we say, no, it has to be that he woke up in the middle of the night and he was screaming. Um, or that he saw a tunnel in his house, or people saw that there was some sort of evidence of a robbery, and that's why we believe him. Um, if the person borrowed into the house, uh, this in, in the Gemara is called Baba Machteret. We're going to learn about it uh, in the next Masechet. Um, but there, this is a, a very famous discussion in the Gemara, um, because if a person uh, steals, right, the person sneaks into another person's house um, to steal something, um, not only are they stealing something, but they're actually taking their life into their own hands. Um, because we know that, right, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you see somebody, who knows uh, what you might be thinking, um, and you would not be liable if you killed that person because you don't know what they're doing there. Um, so if that person burrowed into the house, because he put his own life in danger, he actually acquires the item. And if they were just in the house, so then he doesn't acquire the item. What DAF 115, all of this is for a person who would sell his possessions. But if this was, you know, in the person's, uh, you know, house for a hundred years and you know he would never sell it. Um, so then, um, so then as long as there's some sort of rumor of robbery, we believe him. Okay, let's say a person stole the item and then he sold it. So now the owner goes to the thief for compensation and not to the buyer, meaning even if Reuven pays Shimon for the money that he spent, he's going to get it back from Levi, who is the thief. 
right? Meaning the owner does not have to put money out of pocket, right? The buyer doesn't need to return the item without uh, compensation, or um, he can get compensation from the thief, or he can take the item from the buyer without compensation. Um, the Gemara says, no, 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 it's not a machloka. Um, if there was no yeush, so then you can take the item from the buyer even without compensation, right? Because you've been looking for your item in the whole village and now you finally found it. Um, if there was yeush, if you gave up all hope, so then you go to the thief. Um, or um, maybe the cases where the owner only had yeush when the item was with the buyer, but not with the thief, right? Maybe last week, he was still looking for it, but this week he's like, you know what? It's been gone for a week. That's it. I give up. I'm never going to find it. Um, so there's a machloket if there is a change in domain and only afterwards there is despair. Um, does the person acquire it or not? Right? That is the question. Okay. Um, everyone agrees that you need to return the item. The machloket is about... Um, what's called takanat hashuk, right? Was there a decree that will help protect the buyer? Because don't forget, Shimon walked into Levi's store and buys this item. Shimon doesn't know that it was stolen. So why should Shimon be out of pocket the, you know, the $100 that he paid uh, for this item? So the question is, again, can the buyer sue the thief for compensation, right? Meaning, can he go to Levy and say, give me my money back that I that I paid, um, but not the owner? Or maybe also the owner can go back and get the money. Um, okay, if, they, if you used stolen money to pay back a loan or to pay back some credit, there is no takanat hashuk, meaning no one is going to cover that you shouldn't have used the stolen money to pay back a loan, right? If let's say he gave an item that was worth more than the loan, then he can get compensation back for that. Um, the Gemara then tells us uh, numerous stories of people who stole items to pay back a loan uh, and what happens there. Um, okay, let's say a person stole a book and then sold it for $80. Uh, then he resold it for $120. So now it's a machloket how much the owner pays the second buyer to get his book back, right? Again, the second buyer paid $120, but the first buyer only sold it for, uh, for $80. So does he pay back $80 or $120? Okay, next Mishnah. Um, all right, we have two people walking down the street. One person has a barrel of wine and one person has a barrel of honey. It's important to realize that honey is more valuable than wine uh, in this case. So now the honey barrel breaks. So what happens? The person with the wine barrel decides he's gonna empty out his barrel and catch all the honey. Um, now, if he does this, so he gets paid for his labor, for the time and effort that he put in, and for the barrel that now he's going to give the honey guy, but he does not get compensated 
for his wine because he chose to do this on his own, right? Nobody told him to spill out the wine. If you choose to do it, you're going to get minimally compensated, but not full, right? Not maximally com compensated. However, if the honey guy agrees to pay the wine guy before he spills it out, so then he's liable to pay, right? He says, listen, I'm going to save your what your honey. I need you to pay me whatever it is. And he says, yes, 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 hurry up. Yes, quickly. So then it works. Um, next case in the Mishnah is a river sweeps away. Um, a, 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 again, there are two people walking down the side of a river. Uh, a, a wave comes. I don't think it's called a wave, but the current comes and sweeps away both their donkeys. Um, now, the friend's donkey is worth more than his own donkey. And if he decides that he is going to um, save his friend's donkey instead of his own, again, he gets compensated for his time and effort, um, but not for the loss of his donkey. Again, if they agreed beforehand um, to compensation, so then he gets compensated fully. Okay, so now the Gemara is going to explain. Right, if something is about to be lost, it's seen as ownerless, right? The honey is now about to spill all over the place. Therefore, maybe the wine guy can put the put the, the honey in, in his barrel and be like, oh, look what I just got. I just got a barrel of honey, right? Maybe he can keep it. So we say, no, 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 no. The barrel of honey was actually tied together. So it's only like dripping out. It's not like it's pouring out or gushing out. Um, if that would have been the case, right? Let's say the honey fell on the floor. That would be called hefker, ownerless. But it's like dripping out slowly. So it's not seen as ownerless. Um, let's say Levi, uh, uh, let's say a Levi, right? A, a Levite has 10 barrels of wine um, that are tevel. Tevel means um, we they haven't separated any of the gifts to the Kohanim, right, or to the Levi'im, Truma or Maser. Um, and then let's say one barrel breaks. So he can designate that barrel as Trumat Maser, right, as, oh, that was the, that was what I was going to go give the Kohen. Um, that's only the case if it was tied up, right? Again, if it totally explodes, then it's not okay. Um, one is not allowed to drink water or wine that was uncovered overnight. Also, um, again, because we're nervous that um, maybe a snake came and put some poison into the, the water or the wine. Um, therefore, you're not allowed to drink from that wine or water. Um, some people do this also nowadays, like leaving, if you leave a cup of water overnight, there are some people who will not drink from that water the next day. I don't think it's because of snakes, but uh, it, it could be based on this. Um, okay. Um, um, okay. Doth 116. Um, there's a whole discussion um, in the Gemara about, um, since we're talking about separating Truma and Maser, and, and we're talking about uh, the Levi, uh, it's important to know that these things need to be separated um, from things that are pure, Tahor. Um, if they are Tameh, so you can only separate something that is Tameh for something that is also Tameh. Um, the question is, what can you do with this Tameh? 
wine, right? Impure wine. Again, it's truma, so it has a certain sanctity. You cannot drink it, um, but you can use it uh, maybe to sprinkle in your house as um, air freshener. Um, okay. Um, we said that the wine guy um, gets compensated. Um, the Gemara says the honey guy cannot say afterwards, oh, just kidding. Remember when I said I would compensate you? Um, I didn't mean it, right? There's no such thing. You can't say just kidding. Um, the Gemara says we need both the wine case and the donkey case because the wine case, he's destroying the wine on his own, right? He's dumping out his own wine. As opposed to the donkey, he just is not saving his donkey. Um, but in both cases, he only gets paid his fee and not all um, of the loss. Um, let's say a person goes uh, to save the other donkey, and then his own donkey ends up saving itself, right? It, it comes up. So now, um, the Gemara says that the other guy still needs to pay him the fee from uh, that he promised him because he said he's not saving his donkey. He goes and saves your donkey. The fact that God saved his donkey, uh, that's like bonus, right? You don't get to say, oh, I don't have to pay you anymore. Um, and from here, uh, we have a we have a, a numerous stories about caravans, um, how uh, there was a caravan crossing the desert and every night, Ah, and they would have a lion with them to protect them from, you know, the, the wilderness. Um, and then every night they would feed the lion with one of um, the donkeys of the people in the group. Um, so one night um, it was Rav Safra's donkey's turn to be eaten. Um, and when it, it was given to the donkey, the do when it was given to the lion, the lion didn't want to eat it. I guess it was not in the mood. So Rav Safra basically reacquired his donkey. Um, okay, if a person goes to save the other donkey and loses his own, but he also doesn't save the other guys, um, he get, again, he still gets the fee because... Um, he tried, and even though he was unsuccessful, he still gets paid for his time and his effort. Um, if the person is sent as an agent to bring medicine or food to the sick person, and then the sick person either died or got better before he got there, the person is still paid in full, right? Meaning the agent is still paid in full. Um, and that's different than our donkey case because uh, he didn't save the donkey, right? Meaning um, here the person died. It wasn't his fault. Um, there were rules if one was traveling by caravan um, or by ship and robbers or a storm comes, you need to determine how much to give to the robbers or to throw off the ship based on each person. So it could be based on their wealth um, or based on the number of people, this is very Yonah, Jonah, um, uh, you know, we're thinking about the story of uh, when they throw everything over the ship, um, right, with Jonah and the whale. Um, okay. Um, okay. Um, if a person lost their donkey or their ship through negligence, so then um, they are not compensated. But if they're in like a caravan and they lose 
um, they lose their donkey or their ship or their again ship if they're on the water, um, they are compensated for that loss. Um, let's say a caravan was plundered by troops. Um, and one person goes off to rescue everything. So then um, he brings it back and everybody divides everything that he brings back. Um, if the person says, I'm going to rescue it all for me, then he gets to keep everything that he rescues. Um, the case is that everyone in the caravan are actually partners. And when he says, I'm going to get everything for me, he's basically dissolving the partnership. Um, he can take it all, um, and if not, if he doesn't dissolve the partnership, he needs to share everything with everybody else. Um, or maybe the case was that he was a hired worker, and he is allowed to quit uh, whenever he wants. Um, and if he puts his life in danger to go and risk the property, um, he is allowed to do that and save uh, and keep it all uh, for himself. Okay, next Mishnah. Um, a person steals a field from another person, and then it's confiscated by the government. So if they take other people's fields as well, the robber can say, uh, so sorry, I wanted to return it to you, but it's not here anymore. Um, and he does not have to pay for it. But if it was taken because of the robber, so then the robber has to reimburse the person for his field. Uh, now the Gemara explains, um, let's say maybe the case is that someone else pointed out the robber's land, or um, maybe the idolater pointed out the robber's land, then he needs to pay. Um, this is seen as compensation, right? Mammon, uh, paying back for damage um, or paying back. Um, it's not seen as a knas, as a penalty. Uh, Daf 117 tells us um, that if it's mamon, so then, um, so then um, you can learn from one to the other, um, but if not, uh, then you cannot. Um, okay, um, when there isn't any recognizable damage, when you pay, so then it is a penalty because you don't see the damage, even for small damages. Um, and it's not a penalty, but again, as we said, um, uh, maybe even, maybe it's even uh, for, um, maybe it's even if there's small damage, it's seen again, maybe it's seen not as a penalty, but as a compensation for damage. Um, let's say a person threw an arrow um, from, you know, there, you know, in the 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 public domain, uh, and it went more than four amot on Shabbat, but on its way, it tore through a garment. So again, as we had a similar case before, because he transgressed uh, Shabbat and um, ruined this garment. He does not pay for the garment because he's going to pay for his life, with his life, um, for transgressing Shabbat. Um, however, if he steals wine and then he uses that wine to, you know, as a libation, uh, what's called the uh, Nesech, as a libation for idolatry, um, which ruins the wine, um, so then there is no kimle, right? We don't say 
uh, it happened at the same time because he stole it first and only afterwards ruined the wine. Therefore, he has to pay for the wine um, and he um, and he needs to pay for the act of stealing. Um, let's say a person actively um, um, showed uh, the property of another person to the non-Jews and said like, oh, go take that land from so-and-so, they're liable, right? Again, even though they didn't take the land or they didn't give it over, but because they, they influenced the non-Jews, um, they are liable. Um, Okay, let's say two people are fighting over uh, a trap that has like animals in it. Um, one, and then one of them gives it to an officer. So that, right, and says, oh, you know, go get it from the officer. Uh, that's not okay. We, we excommunicate that person. Um, we can't say, oh, I just gave over my portion. You go, you go get your own portion. Um, there's a story of Rav Kahana who kills um, these informants, um, Rav told him to run to Israel. Again, they were in Bavel. Um, he says, run to Israel. Um, but he should, when he gets to Israel, he should go learn with Rabbi Yochanan, who's the leader of the, the Jewish community in Israel. But as like a punishment, he should, he's not allowed to ask questions for seven years. Um, when he gets to Israel, so then, um, they, Rabbi Yochan is very excited or very nervous that he's going to have a student who's, you know, so great and he's waiting for all the questions and there are no questions and still no questions and they keep moving him back to the back of the class. Um, and then when he finally gets moved all the way to the back of the, the, the classroom, um, Rav Kahana feels like, ah, I was moved seven rows back. That's like seven years of silence. So now I'm going to ask questions. Um, and then he starts asking questions uh, and they keep moving him forward um, all the way, uh, you know, to the front. Um, and then when he gets there, um, Rabbi o, he keeps asking questions. And uh, it seems that um, Rav Kahana had some sort of issue with his mouth that made him look like um, he was smirking. Um, so Rabbi Yochanan thought that Rav Kahana was laughing at him that he was not smart enough. And we know what happens when rabbis are offended. Uh, they look in a, the wrong way. Um, and um, he basically caused Rav Kahana to die. Um, then Rabbi Yochanan realized that he really wasn't laughing at him, so he prays for him to come back to life. Um, and then he comes back to life because not only do they have power to kill, but they have power to bring them back. Um, and then uh, Rabbi Yochanan asked him all of his questions, and Rav Kahana answered all of them. Um, and maybe they lived happily ever after, maybe not. Um, okay. Um, ah. And in, since we're talking about informers, um, an informer needs to pay for damage that he causes, even though he didn't do anything physically um, to the item. Uh, from here, we have stories of a person saving himself with another person's property. Um, if he was wealthy, then he should have used his own money. Um, if they came um, because, ah, remember he remember he said to if he, the person says to the non-Jews, oh, take his field. Right, so if they take the field because um, of something that he did, right, of or something that it wasn't his fault, so then he is exempt. 
um, let's say a person was threatened by a robber, and then he used money that was for redeeming prisoners to save himself. This is valid because he was imprisoned by this robber, so it is justified. Um, let's say a person is running after uh, after another person to kill that person. That's called a rodef. Rodef means um, he's being uh, chased. You are allowed to kill that person because they're trying to kill you. If the rodef breaks property, um, so then he's exempt because he's liable for his own life. Remember when we talked about the thief who um, sneaks into your house? Um, because he's liable for his, or he's putting his own life in danger, he does not have to pay for any monetary loss. If the person being chased breaks utensils to save his life, so then he's liable. Um, because again, the Gemara repeat, you're not allowed to save yourself with someone else's property. Again, or you can, but you need to compensate them for it. Okay, next Mishnah. Um, if a river ruined a stolen field, the robber can say, oh, here, go take your field. Um, because you're, you really technically can never steal a field, right? It's karka, it's attached to the ground, uh, or it is the ground, uh, so you can't steal the ground. Or the Gemara says, or um, you do have to give him back um, another field. And here uh, the Gemara talks about two different ways of understanding the Torah. Uh, we have seen this before um, when we see a general statement, then a specific statement, and then a general statement again. There are two ways of interpreting this um, style of uh, verse. Um, one is much more inclusive. That's called ribui, meut ribui, again, which means like um, an expansion and then like a contraction and then expansion. That one is much more inclusive of other things. Uh, the other way of interpreting it is called klal, krat klal, again, which means generalization, specification generalization. Again, it's this, it's very similar, but the outcome is different. This one is much more um, exclusive. Um, okay, uh, second to last daf, 118, the Mishnah says, um, if you need to pay back a theft or a loan or a deposit um, in a city, so you can only pay it back in the city, you cannot go to the desert and pay it back there. But if it was stipulated that you can return it in the desert, you can also return it in the desert. Um, a loan can actually be returned anywhere or no, you can ask for it to be paid anywhere, but um, you cannot pay it back unless it is in the city. Next Mishnah, a person says, I stole from you or I borrowed from you, um, but I don't remember if I paid you back. So um, that person has to pay it back because they're acknowledging that there is some sort of debt. If the person says, I don't know if I stole from you or if I borrowed from you, so then they are exempt. Um, if a person says, so now the Gemara says, if you, a person says, you owe me, and the person says, I don't know, so then he's liable to pay, or maybe he is exempt. Next, Mishnah, um, a stolen item, let's say a person stole an item, 
and then he returned it without telling the owner. So then, um, and then that, that, let's say it was a sheep, and then the sheep died, or it was stolen again, the original thief is liable um, because he never told the owner that he returned it. If the owner didn't know about the original theft in the first place, so then the thief is exempt. Uh, so now the Gemara is going to explain uh, that there's a difference of what the person knows. If the owner knew about the theft in the first place, he needs to be notified when it's returned. Let's say he counts all of his sheep, right? He knows he has 10 sheep here. He counts them, they're 10. So then he knows that there's 10 sheep. So now the thief is exempt because he returned it and he knows that he has 10. Uh, there's actually a machloket when. When is it enough for as long as the owner counted his sheep and he sees that they're all there, um, so then that is enough and he would not have to, um, he would not have to uh, notify him. If you returned an animal that the owner can notice, right, let's say it's, uh, it's bright pink, so then he'll notice it and you do not have to notify uh, the owner. Uh, it's a machlukat, again, if you need to notify the owner. Um, there's a discussion that um, people check their wallets all the time, right? Maybe Meaning uh, there's a machlukat. Does everyone know how much they have in their wallet at all times? Um, if that's the case, if you always know, so then as soon as it's gone, you'll realize it. And as soon as it comes back, you'll also realize it. But with animals, maybe you don't know. Um, and therefore, you would have to notify the person. Okay, home stretch. Second to last Mishnah. Um, you cannot buy wool, milk, or uh, the or like kids, right? B kids not being children, but baby animals from hired hired shepherds, or you cannot buy fruit from the orchard, who from the watchman of the orchard. Again, we're nervous that they're trying to do like a side hustle, uh, that they're stealing it from their owner. But you can buy wool garments from a woman uh, in Yehuda, right, in this area, or linen garments from the north, um, or calves from the Shomron. But if they say, quick, take it and hide it, and no one's allowed to see it, so then you know something's going on uh, and you are not allowed to buy the item. But you are allowed to buy eggs and chickens everywhere. Okay, so the Gemara explains, um, you're allowed to buy things in the desert um, from the shepherd because we assume that the um, owner does not expect the person to go, you know, to go back and forth each time. Um, so we assume that he lets him uh, sell things in the desert. Um, and you're allowed to buy four or five sheep because it's a lot. So for sure, the owner is going to know, and therefore it must be legal or it must be uh, that he knows. Um, and you can buy when people are sitting with baskets and scales, right? It seems to be a legitimate business, uh, right? But if it's uh, handbags on a piece of cardboard on the corner, uh, that seems a little bit more sketchy and uh, maybe you should be careful. Um, okay. Um, there is, uh, the, the Gemara talks about different verses of what happens to the soul of a thief. 
right here. Uh, it's very poetic of, you know, the thief will get what's coming to him and he stole. So thing, you know, his soul is going to be uh, punished. Um, right. And if you steal, it's like you, so you stole a soul. Um, and, uh, that is not okay. Um, also, um, women are given things, uh, by their husbands again to, for the household. If they take those things from the household and sell it, it's only okay if the husband knows about it. But if not, then it could be that she's stealing from the estate. Okay. Last Mishnah. Um, of Baba Kama, um, the Mishnah states a launderer who sells. Um, ah, so the last Mishnah basically talks about craftsmen who are doing work or uh, laborers who are doing work for an, a person. And the question is, what are they allowed to keep? Right? So let's say um, they, uh, it's a carpenter and they have wood shavings on the ground. Does that belong to the owner or does it belong to the carpenter? Um, so it says, let's say a launderer uh, is laundering uh, an item, so um, it, he can keep the shreds of the wool uh, that come out. He can also keep um, three, right, three threads up to three threads that come loose. Um, but if it's more threads, so then it is the owners. It's very important to re recognize that in the time of the Mishnah and the Gemara. People are very poor, which means that every thread counts, right? Every little piece of wool counts. Um, so therefore, um, right, if it's going to be a big loss, it goes back to the owner. If it's a small loss, uh, so then the uh, workman can keep it, right? A tailor, if he has leftover thread or fabric, um, if it's over three fingers by three fingers, that has to be returned to the owner. And again, if a craftsman, if he's working in the owner's house, so then the owner keeps everything that is left over. Um, the Gemara explains that if it's a strong thread, you can keep two of them. Um, if it's a weak thread, you can keep up to three. Um, you cannot buy fabric from the sorek, from the person who like combs the fabric. Uh, but again, it depends on the local customs. Uh, for a dyer, you're not allowed to take his samples, um, but you can buy garments from him. Uh, if a tailor left thread the size, the length of a needle, so then that belongs to the owner, or maybe it could be up to double the size of the needle. Uh, and people who prune trees, if the owner wants the wood, so then the owner keeps it. But if not, then the worker is allowed to keep it. Hadran Allah Masachat Baba Kama. I think it is important uh, to think about uh, this Masachat as a whole. Uh, we started uh, with discussing uh, different types of damagers and damages and um, how one needs to uh, compensate those that have been damaged. Uh, we did end this Masachet with theft and robbery um, and uh, compensation for that as well. So it is interesting to think about um, now that we're in the world of, uh, I guess we can call it torts or uh, legal legal uh, cases, um, it, it, I think it's fascinating to see how the Gemara um, is so all-encompassing. 
uh, right? We want to make sure that um, everyone is compensated for any loss that they are um, that they are due. Uh, and I think that it's a very important lesson, right? That uh, definitely at the end of the masechet, seeing how um, even the smallest item is something that has value. Uh, I think that's a big lesson for us nowadays, where uh, unfortunately we have a plethora of uh, material things, and um, maybe this is a lesson for all of us to cherish those items um, and uh, recognize uh, their value, um, maybe not uh, the monetary value, but maybe the sentimental value. Um, if you want to do, you want to share some thoughts on uh, the Masechet or any questions, um, I think I'll end the recording here. So just wishing everyone, um, first of all, a Shabbat Shalom. It should be a great uh, Shabbat and Mazal Tov on finishing Masechet Babakama. And looking forward to seeing everyone at the next, uh, the next Masechet. Um, so looking forward to that. Okay.